0: It is time for episode two of Wake Up To The Word. Yes, that's right. Two episodes. Two episodes in the same week because there was just too much information. So we're so glad you're here. Welcome to our studio audience. She does not exist. Very good to have you. Have my cup of coffee. Again, Black Rifle. But this is drip this this morning. So very good. Um, hope you're with us. I'm going to jump right into this because there's still a lot. And I'd like to get s- the majority of this information out before we get good into week two. One thing I did want to tell you, though, um, uh, the uh, our website, wakeuptotheword.org, uh, has a new uh, section to it. If you go scroll all the way down, left side, you'll see uh, Jeff's stack of stuff. And uh, what I have there is any docs that I use here, uh, for instance, this will always be on the top, the uh, quarterly report, you can uh, download it, it is actually an image, and you can uh, download it and uh, print it for yourself, so I don't have to uh, email stuff out in bulk uh, all the time, always happy to help out though if you need it sent to you, if you're on the email list, I can send it out to you, not a problem, but uh, you can grab it yourself, any doc I use, uh, here, I will put up on the wakeuptotheword.org website, and you can grab it for yourself. Look for Jeff's stack of stuff. Uh, a little homage for those of you who know what I'm talking about. So, um, uh, So let's jump right into this. We are in Chapter 2. We did Chapter 1. <clears throat> we actually did a little bit of Chapter 2 as well we uh thus god made the heavens and the earth talk about the sabbath and now the creation of man and woman here so these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the lord god made the earth and the heavens now this is a very huge statement because this is a declaration of this is the generations of the people there's no other people besides these people when God created the heavens and the earth, he created people, and these are the generations that God started with. So uh, those folks, uh, our brothers and sisters in the faith who uh, say there was some kind of a, a gap, a ruined reconstruction, that God, there was a whole group of people before this happened. Um, this is just another piece of evidence of declarative statement that these are the generations of the earth and so uh we start with that and it goes on to uh for for identifying where the garden is (coughs) excuse me identifying where the garden is and (coughs) with the rivers and all of that and we could get into depth on that too but i'm not going to jump into that uh, this morning i'm going to come right down to uh The creation of man and then woman. Uh, So it starts off here in 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. Notice he wasn't created in the garden. He was put in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. He gave man purpose. He he has a job. He has purpose in his life. And the Lord God uh, commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day, you, either, you shall surely die. Okay. Uh, then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Okay, that is a declarative statement. Uh, and I've heard uh, other pastors and teachers uh, say uh, things like, um, um, How long was Adam in the garden? And it, it, they say, well, it took he had to get lonely. It had long enough for him to get lonely. It doesn't say he was lonely. It doesn't, that's not what the statement says. It says, God is making a declarative statement that it's not good for man to be alone. And since he's created everything good and very good, he's made this statement, I think, right away. Because he's letting letting Adam know, he's letting people know, it's not good for you to be alone. And so he brings all the animals that he created and, and however long that took, a day, two days, whatever it took. And Adam's he's showing Adam that this there's nothing this, there's no partner for you um, they all have their animals but they all have each other their partners but you don't have your partner and so then the Lord God uh, put him into a sleep a deep sleep and um, Lord God caused this is 21 so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and while he slept he took one of his ribs and closed the place in the flesh and the rib that the Lord God made uh, from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, or cleave to his wife, and, and they shall become one flesh, and the man and the wife, both naked and were not ashamed." Okay. <coughs> um. Many uh, people say that, that uh, marriage uh, isn't something that is uh, declared in the Bible, and that's just not true. And uh, right from the beginning, the first man, the first woman. Now, he's not going to cheat on her because there's no one to cheat with, but there's a marriage ceremony. It's right there. He, God creates, the Lord God creates the woman, and then there's a presentation of the woman to the man. And then there's uh, vows spoken. This is this is at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You shall be called woman because you take it out of man. And then a declaration from God. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold to his wife, and to become one flesh. Man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. So, <clears throat> so they um, we we're, we're, we're talking about. Uh, they were um, covenanted to each other. There's a a covenant made here, there's a proclamation, and they are man and wife, and the declaration, therefore, man shall leave his father and mother. It's declared that they're together. And this is repeated. Jesus repeats that. This is why a man leaves his father and mother, cleaves into his wife, and the two become one flesh. And then even after the resurrection for the churches, Paul, uh, in Ephesians, repeats the same thing. Uh, So, this is not something that was just for old-fashioned. It was not something that was just uh, up until when Jesus was. It's into the church, uh, into the church age, and that's where we are now. And so, uh, marriage is for believers. That's uh, what we uh, glean from this. This is God's best for people, okay? All right, now we get to the fall in chapter 3. Uh, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field and so uh, and we know about the temptation um, uh, you surely uh, you shall not eat the tree this is verse 3 in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die but the serpent said to the woman you shall not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, delightfully eyes, she took it and gave some to her husband who was with her. Okay, we got a lot, we got a lot to go through here, but <coughs> the serpent is described here, and uh, <coughs> it's interesting because lots of people use think believe this is a zoological lesson. Um, uh, I'm not saying it wasn't a serpent, but I I highly doubt that it was. I think it was a description of character, not a description of appearance. And so um, there's lots of reasons for that, and I've thought it for a long time, but uh, now it's studying uh, Hebrew through a Hebrew scholar and understanding how the Hebrew language works. discovered that my inkling was 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 correct and so um, <coughs> as far as the linguistically is concerned so um, this is uh, it's, it's the enemy it's the devil and he's actually part of God's divine counsel he's part of, of that he is the guardian cherub of Eden and uh, he's, he's part of God's uh, inner circle <laughs> he says he was you know one of the most the most beautiful of all angels and the most powerful and we use that angelic term very generically because um, I believe he was part of the Elohim portion um, at least uh, a division of it uh, the cherubim because he's called the cherub so um, He's definitely that because God, uh, the Bible in Ezekiel definitively says he was a guardian sheriff. Yeah, but I believe he was the guardian cherub of the very throne of God and there's reasons for that I'm not going to go into all that into, in this portion, I'll dive into it more when we get to Ezekiel, but <clears throat> the enemy, the serpent as he's described, his character is described, he is called the Satan because uh, that is an office, not a name okay and uh, so he's the devil he's uh, Lucifer he's uh, described as a serpent in his character and the Satan is his office he is holds the office of Satan and there's a lot more to that too so we'll unpack some of that as we learn and grow so um, he tempts Eve in the same way he tempts all man and uh, tempts her with the food, tempts her with how good it looks, tempts her with what her abilities will be. And the man who is standing right there, who's supposed to be looking out for his wife, says nothing. And she takes it and gives it to him, and she eats it herself. And this is the first rebellion. The first rebellion. Lots of people believe this is the fall of man, and it is the fall of man. <clears throat> but it is only the first rebellion against God. There's two more rebellions that are listed here in Genesis, and we will get to those. Um, uh, one of them today, another one next week. But this first rebellion is uh, this, rebel, this satanic rebellion and the rebellion of mankind, okay? So this rebellion of mankind uh, wants to hold itself up to be like the gods, to be like the divine people, others in the divine council. Adam and Eve were allowed to see the divine council because Eden was that mountain garden, that raised area, that raised garden um, <coughs> where God's council met. That's where they were. It was this earthly council uh, chamber, and uh, so as as Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were able to see. This council. That's why Eve's not surprised by the uh, appearance of the serpent because she'd seen him before. He's there. He's part of God's council. So uh, this wasn't a shock. So I don't think she saw a serpent come up and talk with her. I think she saw the Satan come up and talk with her and his character was as a serpent. So. so, so the fall happens, they hide, they know they're naked, they, they, uh, they hide, and God comes to them and gives them curses. So the first curse is to the serpent. And so you say, well, this shows that it's a serpent. It says, because you have done this, cursed are you above all living, all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat in all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his feet. This this is offspring is seed. So, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. <clears throat> okay, the problem here is, uh, it says, you shall eat the dust. Uh, 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 even s- snakes and serpents don't eat dust, they crawl. Uh, but this is metaphorical again. In that uh, Satan is now, uh, his domain is, will always be the earth, the ground, will always be this place. Uh, he is able to go back and forth, but this is his domain. And so uh, there's a lot more to that and we can get into that discussion another time as we get specific- specifically into Ezekiel. And That's going to be a while, but I want to give away all the answers right away so then you won't tune in anymore. So... Uh, the woman, she will uh, surely uh, multiply your pain in childbirth, and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desires will be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So, uh, <clears throat> here's here's the deal. Man and woman were at a, in an, an, an equal plane. They were complementary to each other in the garden until the fall, and then the woman. Um, it says would become, uh, uh, his desires would be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. So man got a dominion there uh, within the fall. It was part of the curse of the woman, the the, the consequences, and pain in childbirth, which she hadn't experienced childbirth at all to this point, so uh, she didn't know any different at, at that point. but. This uh, order, among equals, uh, that we talk about uh, plays itself out through history. Where the, the earth itself, uh, cultures all over the place, have been male dominant. That, that's not the case within uh, the, uh, the, the uh, pre-fall world. There's a complementary relationship. And I believe in Christ, as it says, neither male nor female, uh, Jew nor Gentile, in Christ, we are supposed to return to that complementary relationship. And uh, when you don't have Christ, you, you go back to the consequences of the fall. You live in the fall. So, as believers, we live in the redemption. We still live in a fallen world, but we should be modeling the redeemed and our relationship should be complementary within the household. Doesn't mean there isn't an order. There's an order among equals, but still complementary. Okay, um, to Adam, you're going to have to, because uh, you listened to your voice of your wife, you've eaten the tree, which I commanded you not to, uh, curse the ground. Now, he doesn't get a direct curse, but he has to work hard now. He had an easy job before. Even though he had purpose even though he had job, he now and now it's hard because there'll be thorns and there'll be thistles and they're going to be put out of the garden where the protection is. And so um, so uh, it, it says then the Lord God uh, then God caught wife E because mother of all these um, and the Lord God made for man a wife uh, skins, clothing for them, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Another plural. In knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore God sent my glasses on instead of struggling. God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden and placed cherubim. And a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life okay so w- what what is this to us he's 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 talking to the divine council so you'll become like one of us the group of elohim the group of divine beings that god has that are a little bit above angels but lower than almighty god so uh, this is another plural uh, within that and become like one of us. Obviously he's not gonna become we're not gonna become like Almighty God, so where's the reference there? It's the knowing good and evil. In knowing good and evil. The divine counsel was aware of good and evil. And so it says, why can't he reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and live forever? So what's the problem there? <clears throat> Here's the problem. Eternal life. Is through the grace of God if we reach out and eat from the tree it's eternal life becomes from a work that we do we we earn it ourselves by going and taking of the tree now uh, God's life-giving is by His grace by His His divine choosing so uh, that's that's how that's why this plugs right in here so we see some uh, doctrines right away and we're going to talk a little bit more about that but right here is a salvation doctrine right there that the the salvation is not by works not by taking from the tree not by uh doing anything for it it's only through god's uh providence only through god's provision does is salvation offered and available and uh and a free gift from god so So now we get to Cain and Abel, children born after, after, the, after they're cast out of the garden, after the, fall, after the first rebellion, we get Cain and Abel, and they come to... Uh, uh, one, one keeps flocks, one grows gardens, and they come and bring an offering to God, each from what they do. So Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground, In the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flocks of their fat portions and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering but for Cain and his offering he had no regard so Cain was very angry and his face fell so and we know the rest of the story Cain kills Abel and uh, then you know I'm not my brother's keeper all that stuff question always comes up why did God accept Abel's offering but not Cain's and some people have said it's because one was an animal offering with blood and the other one was a grain offering or a or, or a plant offering and that wasn't acceptable <coughs> but I, I don't see that as being the reason here because in in the uh, throughout when the law is given there's actually, they're supposed to give both kinds of offerings. They're supposed to give grain and fruit offerings. They're supposed to give uh, animal sacrifice offerings. They're both within the law, and this is before the law. So I I don't see that there was any instruction given as to what was supposed to be done, except for the information that's given to us. It says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and came to work of the ground. In the course of time... Cain brought to the Lord an offering. So Cain waited for his entire crop to come in and then chose from the crop, chose from it to give an offering. Now he may have given the best. He may have waited for it all to come in, found the best stuff, and given it as an offering to God. Nobody knows what the offering was. All we know was he waited. He he waited for the whole entire thing. God's looking for a faith offering, and it was very distinct that Abel brought the firstborn of his flocks. The, he brought the firstborn. He his was a faith offering. Abel's was a uh, available offering. It was a, um, a a later offering when he when he got all of it in, and this is this is a God's not necessarily looking for something an offering that is um, the best he's looking for the faith he's looking for uh, us to know that he'll sustain us to trust in him that we give him the first right away it's it's the first it's the first thing we give when we give any kind of an offering do we give do we give the first Or do we wait and see how much we got and then we give? So, that's the lesson right away in there is uh, giving to God's kingdom and God's work and where God nudges you to give is not about how much you have, substantively, it's about how much faith you have spiritually. So, there you go, that's that one. Uh, Let's get into chapter five. I'm not going to go here too much except for there is a genealogy from Adam it gives all the years all the ages all the all the times all the time frames and you can literally Count the years All the way up doesn't just start here. This this goes uh, up until Noah and then later we see from Shem all the way to uh, Abraham and then from Abraham goes all the way to David and you can see even in the new testament we get the genealogies. So, with the numbers given in Scripture, it is totally possible to accurately count how much time we've been on the earth with the potential discrepancy of, I don't know, just a few years uh, uh, or a little bit of time uh, with Adam, but even Adam is given uh, the entire amount of time it says he lived it says he lived 930 years and you can see that that's what i have here is the the uh a a line graph a genealogy of all of them from adam here at the top and israel jacob all the way down here so you can follow this this is biblical all the way down you can see this line here that i have here maybe you can't see it in the picture it's this is the flood right here this is Adam, and this is Noah, right here. And you can get this in, in Jeff's stack of stuff on uh, wake up uh, wake up wake up to the word and dot And so what I want to what I want to point out here is that well we talk about who wrote Genesis, and, and people think it was Adam. And I talked about this in, in episode one. And and so uh, what we discover is um, before getting on the ark, uh, Noah's father, Lamech, actually knew Adam. okay? Now listen, Noah born uh, was born a bit after uh, Adam had died, uh, but his father lived for 56 years with Adam, okay? So if you want to look at how we count these genealogies, alright, or how did Moses get the information, well, you only have to look at a few generations that get all the way to Moses and you have Adam could have told Lamech. Lamech was alive when Shem was alive. They overlap for a number of years. Um, Lamech Certainly would have told Noah and his son Shem, who was his oldest and, and lived his, his age is there. But Lamech probably helped build the ark. What did you talk about while you were building? You probably talked about everything that Adam told you. I'm going to share it with you guys because God says he's going to, he's going to destroy the earth. We're building this thing. You need to know all of this. So Noah probably knew all the information and Shem knew all the information and then on the ark all the brothers knew the information as well but shem had a son arfax Arfaxad, and they probably gave him all the information because both noah and shem were alive so you understand what i'm saying here these generations that went through it didn't take long that you can count them out and, and, and there's only i think about five it, it only would have taken five people to get to moses so uh, Moses compiling this information and in chapter 5 it lays that all out. You can read through that, but it's very cool stuff. And um, <clears throat> so that brings us to chapter 6 and this is the last chapter you would have read in, in the Old Testament. Uh, I only get two minutes left, but, uh, uh, but I'm going to go over. We're going to have a longer episode because I still have to get to the, um, uh, Luke 1 and 2. So um, So chapter 6 is the second rebellion. And so we have a first rebellion, the fall of man, uh, the Satan tempting them, them eating the fruit. Now this is the second rebellion. And so when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide with man. So, uh, The Nephilim were in the earth in those days, and also afterwards, a very key part of that, also afterwards, when the sons of God came to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown." Um, So, uh, what is this rebellion? The sons of God, also a reference to divine beings, angelic beings, the sons of God came to the daughters of men. So this is a second rebellion. So uh, Satan had his rebellion. Man rebelled uh, against God. That's all the first rebellion. The second rebellion is this group of uh, Elohim sons of God. The group of of, of, uh, sons of God that go to the daughters of men and have children with them. And these are giant men. Okay? Now, <clears throat> we hear about giants in the Old Testament. We hear about uh, there's readings about them. Uh, Goliath is a remnant of that. and But Nimrod, as we'll see coming up next week, is also a, a giant man. He's a big guy. And so these are uh, remnants of this genetic rebellion. These rebelling spirits, these rebelling sons of God, these these uh, divine beings that God created, they are rebelling against God, and they are coming and trying to pollute, genetically, mankind, God's creation, because God has created this second family. He had this this spiritual family, this, these other beings, and now He has this other family. I know it sounds very mythological, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that this explains so much in scripture it explains a lot of what we're going to read so we had to start with this foundation but this rebellion um, is the catalyst to first the flood and why god wiped everybody out because he it, it this pol- completely polluted the mind and the thinking of of god's people now up until this point, there may have been I don't know maybe maybe uh, five hundred thousand I don't know a million people I have no idea how many people there would have been to this point. We could do a calculation after the flood, starting with eight people, and well, the flood hasn't come yet. Starting with the two people, Adam and Eve, and going up to this point, because we can calculate the years up to Noah, <coughs> and so they were having sons and daughters, and they lived a long time. So there could have been a million people on the earth. Uh, but but because they were infiltrated by these sons of God coming in, these men of renown, they were thwarting God's plan, thwarting God's thinking, thwarting all that God uh, wanted for them. This made for uh, the second rebellion, and this is one of the larger reasons why the flood occurred. Okay? And so, uh, without getting into anything more, the Chapter 6 is about the flood. We'll go to the New Testament in Luke chapters 1 and 2. We'll leave you there with that cliffhanger because there's more to come uh, as we move on to, to the, the chapters 7 and 8. But Luke chapter 1 uh, talks about the birth. Uh, Luke wanting to make a, a record of, of what had happened. And so uh, Luke... <clears throat> uh, and as much as I have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been aco- have accomplished uh, among us just as those who from the beginning were witnesses and ministers of the word ministers of the word have delivered them to us it seemed good to me also to have all closely for for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Okay, so Luke, a doctor, also a historian, he wants to write what's happened. He was not a first-hand witness account to the things that happened, so he is compiling information from people. And getting that, getting that information, and writing it down. So, good coffee. Um, we get John the Baptist, who's born six months, who's a cousin of Jesus. He's the forerunner. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's the one who's going to uh, proclaim the way, make a way. <clears throat> but here's some interesting, just to connect us back to the Old Testament. Verse 18 of Luke chapter 1, Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this news. So Gabriel is not just an angel. He's one of the divine council. He stands in the presence of God. So... Uh, he's part of the Divine Council. So uh, th- these are just all clues that uh, connect the dots, Old Testament to New Testament, and keep the Bible as a seamless, continuous, um, fluid document that's telling the story. So uh, now we get to where Gabriel, the same person, comes sent by God, goes to goes to uh, Mary, um, and visits Mary and Joseph, and tells Mary that she's going to have have a baby. And and Mary says to the angel, "How will this be, since I am a virgin?" Okay, we get all the way back to Genesis, where we where we were in the fall and the curse. And um, it says to the curse to the to the uh, uh, to the serpent and to Mary uh, Mary and to Eve, uh, she he will. There'll be enmity between your seed and her seed, okay? The woman (coughs) does not have a seed. A woman has an egg. Except for Mary, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit overcoming her, she had a seed. She had both. uh, uh, An egg and a seed. So this reference in Genesis is a... A connectivity to the virgin birth, the doctrine of the virgin birth. And the virgin birth is an absolute necessity in order for Christ to be the God-man who does not have sin transferred, uh, of the original sin genetically transferred to him. Because this, the sin is transferred from the man, the seed of man. And so, virgin birth is absolutely necessary in order for um, Christ to have human form, but not uh, a sin nature. So, that was important. So, then the birth of John the Baptist comes up, and uh, then we get to the the birth of Christ in chapter 2. And the shepherd's out in the field, and... The, an, an angel comes to them and tells them. Uh, this is always interesting. It says, uh, uh, "I bring you good news of great joy that for all the people, for unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign to for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel. There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Now the angel came by itself, by him, him or herself. and herself. And angels are mostly male, but <coughs> or non, non-gender. non But um, this angel came alone, gave them the news, and then the sky was filled with heavenly hosts. Uh, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the sign was not the angel talking to him like that's not enough the sign is you'll find what i tell you you'll find the baby wrapped in clothes and cloth lying in a manger so um so when the angel went into heaven and, and 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 they said let's go to bethlehem and see these things now the cool thing about them is they went and found what they were told about they went and looked for the sign okay the angel appeared to them and they went to look for the sign so uh, do you look for the signs that God has for you Uh, God has his fingerprint all around these shepherds went and looked for the sign that what God says is true that the message from heaven is true do you look for the signs I'm encouraging you look for the signs God's trying to talk to you he's trying to show you and it says that they went out and told everybody they told everybody they saw about what they saw about what was told to them about the child so it says and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all they had heard and seen and it had been told to them and so they 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 shared that with everyone they saw so that um where am i going now we got just a little bit more jesus gets presented in the temple and then jesus Uh, As a boy, not a lot of information. Here's one of the things that's really important is that uh, Jesus and his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover. They went every year. Jesus was used to doing the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know. Why would he stay behind when he's 12? Because uh, the Jewish custom is, that's when you start your training, your bar mitzvah training, uh, to be a man. So Jesus, being Jesus, he's told he's a man. He is a man. He makes his own decisions at 12. And he stays because he's in his Father's house. He's aware of who he is. He's aware that he is the Christ child. That God is excuse me, is his father and he needs to spend time with his father. So <clears throat> that's all I got for you and I'm uh, ten minutes over but I did get uh, a little bit in from everything you read uh, in this first week. So uh, you may not have a, a, an extra episode every week but uh, as, as we teach and I see something else I might just pop on and do one, sometimes it might be a little shorter. This one's about ten minutes over. So. God bless you, man, and uh, I'm just so excited about this, and I hope you just keep listening, keep tuning in, and tell people about it, and ask them to sign up uh, for the podcast. It, it helps me out when you get more people on Spotify, and it helps me with what I'm trying to do, and uh, lets me know who's listening who's not listening. So, uh, love you guys, keep reading, and uh, we'll see you next